Man, he is worthy. You can be seated if you can this morning. I'm so excited about what God is doing in our church, what he's doing in our lives. Just testimony after testimony after testimony of what he's doing. He keeps coming back to me. I love it. I love it. Can't wait to get into this word. We are in the downhill side of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. The downhill side of it. I don't know if those are claps of praise God he's doing stuff or claps of thank God I finally get to eat in a few days. Uh, I'm kind of in between depending on the hour of the day. So I'm right there with you and I'm feeling it. But I tell you what, I'll say what I said last week. Your pastor, I'm just telling you, I feel closer to God than I ever have in my life. And I'm excited about what he's doing in me. And if he's doing half as much in you as he's doing in me, I'm telling you, we're a blessed group of people. So, again, if you're a guest here today and you came in a little bit late, we're glad that you're here. Uh, Welcome to Eastgate Church. You're no longer a guest. You are family. You are family. We've got a saying here at Eastgate, no one walks alone. And we mean that. We mean it. God's put us together. Man, we watch each other's backs. We lift each other up in prayer. And that's what the body of Christ should look like. Big welcome to everyone joining us online. If you would, hit that like and that share button to help us reach as many people as we possibly can. Can we give a big welcome to everyone joining us online today? Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We're excited about what the Lord is doing. I got good news for you before we get into this message today. And I'm telling you, I can't wait to get into the word today. I hope it ministers to you as much as it's ministered to me over the course of the week preparing for this. Um, But good news for today, again, at 930 this morning, the message from last week went live on the Radio Condry Network all across the state of Georgia and into Chicago. So we're reaching some people from little old Douglasville, Georgia. Praise God for that. I love it. So podcasts are reaching people. Um, the live stream is reaching people over 60 countries worldwide. And now God's given us favor on the radio. So the Lord's opening doors and we're going to keep walking through them. Amen. How many of you say God's opening doors in your life too? Yeah, Yeah, man, he is moving in this place. Y'all ever been on a road trip? I love road trips. I got a confession to make. Like, I I would rather drive somewhere than fly somewhere. I really would. Just because some of y'all, how many of y'all would rather fly somewhere? impatient bunch of people i'm telling you I just now i would i would love to drive now there's something awesome about being up about 30 35,000 feet looking down on stuff looking down on the clouds um it's amazing but i like road trips i like seeing the countryside i like watching the landscape change if i had the money and a vehicle that would make the trip tomorrow because i'd need both <laughs> but but if i had it um i'd hop in the car and i would take off and i would go see something beautiful that god created I love road trips. I found that road trips changed for me, though, when we had kids. Dramatically. Can I get an amen from the parents? And I, y'all understand. It changed dramatically, man. Uh, it went from me and Kelly just looking at each other and saying, you want to go somewhere? And she said, yeah, let's go. All right, let's do it. And we'd hop in the car and take off and go. And then the kids came. Can't do that with kids. Got a lot, a, lot of, a lot of prep work on the front end of that. Either, you, either you're getting them with somebody that can watch them while you go on the trip, or you're figuring out ways to entertain those jokers in the car so that you have your sanity when you get where you're going. You know, you got to put some thought into it. And when I go on a road trip, even with a family today, I use a GPS 
Not because I need directions on where I'm going, because I'm a man, and we don't need directions, do we, guys? I'm saying. All the ladies are like, really? Then why am I having to tell you where to go all the time? I get it, but we don't need it. We tolerate that you tell us. So I, I use my GPS to tell me where I'm going, not because I need it, but I need that little clock at the bottom that shows the arrival time. You know what I mean, guys? Because I gotta beat that arrival time. For real. Like if it says we're gonna get there at 12:30, I'm saying, nah, Jack, we're gonna get there at 12 o'clock, or you know, or 10 minutes after. I'm gonna watch the time go backwards, just like I got a time machine, and I'm driving fast enough to make that arrival time go back. That's what I want. Um, that doesn't happen with kids. It doesn't happen with kids. We were going to uh, Houston, Texas to hang out with family that we have there. We're cruising down the road. Now, Houston, Texas, that's an 11-hour drive if you don't hit bad traffic, if you don't make a lot of bathroom stops. You know, if it's just hammer down and then you fill up and hammer down again, you know, you can get there in about 11 hours. With kids, add a little bit to that. That's what I'm saying, you know. Uh, so at best, that's a 13-hour trip. By the time you do the bathroom stops, the fill-up stops, which never line up with each other. We'll fill up with gas, go 20 minutes down the road, and the kids have got to go to the bathroom. And it's like, come on, we were just there. Well, I didn't have to go then. We're going to have to work something out. I don't know if we need to put a porta potty in the car or what, but we're going to figure out how to do this road trip thing. Man, so... So we're going down the road, we're an hour into this trip, and Abby says, hey, Daddy, are we in Texas yet? <laughs> no, we're not in Texas yet. About another 20 minutes go by, she goes, are we there yet? Have y'all heard that question come out? Oh my gosh, are we there yet? And uh, I said, no, baby, we're not even, we hadn't even cracked the, the lid of this trip, you know what I mean? We've, we've got a long way to go. Okay. And they'll go back to playing their games, and a little bit later, hey, are we, are we there yet? No, we're not there yet. She wants to know where we are. Where are we? Are we in Georgia? No, we're in Alabama. Okay, are we still in Alabama? No, we're in Mississippi, cutting through Louisiana. Hopefully, we're going to get to Houston, you know, before the next bathroom break. We'll just see how it goes, you know. <laughs> are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there? I'm trying to beat the time, and the kids, for them, it's like, an eternity passes before we get from point A to point B because they have no concept of time. They don't. Like Abby, she, uh, she, <laughs> she, says, uh, she says, Daddy, can I stay up for an extra 10 minutes or three hours or something you know, before we go to bed? And we negotiate every night. She's getting better at this. I've got to up my game. I've got to be honest with you. So um, she has no concept of time. While we're going down the road, but I do. She's incredibly impatient, but I know how long it's going to take to get where we're going. If for nothing else, because I got the map right in front of me that lets me know when the arrival time is. And I found one of the biggest challenges in life, especially serving the Lord, is learning how to be patient when you're going from point A to point B. Because we want to say, are we there yet? 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 And God's in the front going, no, <laughs> we're not there yet. <laughs> you asked me five minutes ago, in my mind I get that picture in a way. I know he's patient with us, but, but we're like impatient little kids when it comes to waiting on God's timing. 
one of the biggest earmarks of maturity you are going to cross over in your relationship with Jesus is learning how to wait. Oh, nobody's shouting down the house right now. We, we had some amens earlier. We were laughing about the kids, all that weight stuff. You know, because... Um, man, I, t I tell you what, sensational preaching has told us that God can do things suddenly and God can do things right now. And if you get your faith right and you trust him, boom, that blessing's just going to drop on you, you know, and, and sometimes it does. But when you look at the Bible, par for the course is that God wants us to wait. For a lot of different reasons we're going to talk about in just a little bit, that waiting game just is not fun at all. So the $20 question in your walk with God, and the title of the message today is this, how are we going to do with the weight of the weight? Have you ever been in a place where you've been waiting for a while, and like you had your fate perfect at the beginning, and you waited for a while, and then a while, and then some more, and then a while, and then a little bit more? God, I thought I was doing what you said to do in your word. I thought I was living this thing right. I thought I was all the pieces are, are where they're supposed to be. God, you know, what, what's the deal? It's oftentimes the weight of the weight that will crush us if we don't lean into God's strength to sustain us during those times. Okay, your strength is not enough to handle the weight of the weight. But in God's strength, now we can sustain it. Yeah. Okay, in God's strength, now we can sustain it. Um, waiting is nothing new in the scripture. If you look at Psalm 130, <laughs> even, even way back then, they're writing stuff like this. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. Anybody been there? Yeah. Oh, man, I am waiting, waiting, waiting on the Lord. And, his, and in his word, I put my hope. I'm waiting with everything in me. And I'm putting my hope in what you've said. That's a good place to be. Um, First Peter chapter 5, verse 6, he writes this. He goes, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. You know, if you're going to survive the weight of the weight, you're going to have to humble yourself and submit yourself to God's timing and God's plan. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Everyone say due time. Due time. due time. Isn't it about time for some of that stuff to be due? Yeah. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? In due time. I love digging into scripture though and looking what the passages are saying right at the heart of them. And, and what, uh, what Peter is writing here is he, he, he's saying humble yourself. Put yourself under God's hand that he may lift you up in due time. Some translations say the right time, but the original Greek here says the perfect time. Yeah. You know, there's, there's our idea of how things are supposed to go, and then there's God's perfect plan, God's perfect will. He has it set up perfectly. Now it's up to us whether or not we trust in that, but you know, I'd rather wait for God's perfect plan than blazing my own trail and creating a mess that me and him have got to clean up later on in life. Y'all been down that road before? Oh, I am a master at jacking my life up. If you give me five minutes to create my own plan, I'm going to mess it up somehow, some way. 
I guarantee you. Um, first mistake is thinking I can do a better job than God can at orchestrating my life. He's the one that created me. He's the one that put his calling on you and on me. If he did all of that and gave us a purpose for which we're to live, then he ought to know best how to line all that stuff up. Amen? So he's the one that does all of this in his perfect timing. In his perfect timing. I, uh, I remember when I was a kid, um, y'all remember Layaway? Yes. Oh, my goodness, man. I used to work Layaway as a kid because I'd want video games, and they were always too expensive for us to, for me to talk mom and dad into, into buying them. No, we can't get that. So what I would do is I'd go and I'd cut grass and I'd get my money and I'd slowly pay off these video games. And when it was all said and done, I'd walk in with that final payment and it's like, boom, I got Contra. You know what I mean? Like growing up, I got Contra. I can go home and I can do up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, start, and you just get all the infinity lives and just go at it and beat that game. It was just awesome. I cut the grass. I get the money. I make the payments. And when I come in with that final payment because I'm the one that made it happen, boom, I get my payoff. That's how we think it's supposed to work sometimes with God. I do my part. I do my stuff. I'm making my payments. I got the faith I'm supposed to have. I'm going to church. I'm paying my tithes, doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm going down the list. Check this one. Check that one. Check this one. Check. I got it all together. Here's my payment, God. I'm doing what you said. Now, give me my video game. And he's like, hmm. We don't like the wait. We don't like those seasons when God gets silent. When it's just do what I told you to do and keep doing it till I tell you to do something else. Boy, that's some grown-up stuff right there. Yeah. You know, we have all these expectations like this lady who in her 20s had this list of 48 things she was looking for and the perfect man for her. She had the list. You know, 48 things. Well, that ought to be pretty easy to find, right? Got some high expectations, you know. I always say if you got a list of 48 things, that's awesome. Make sure that you can fulfill his list of 48 things too. Um, I'm just saying, guys, just put up with everybody's shortcomings, debt, drama, and all that stuff, but you ain't got no patience for somebody that tells you to grow up, you know what I'm saying? I just, yeah, so, um, so she had all this, all this list, going through, through her 20s, didn't find the guy. Got into her 30s, didn't find the guy. List started getting shorter. Got up into her mid-40s, that list of 48 had dropped down to two things. Are you male, and do you have a job? All right, we'll get those two things, and, and we got it together. Are you male, and do you have a job? It's funny, the passing of time, though, will take our expectation and our standards and diminish them over time, if we're not careful. Hey, if you've been waiting for a minute, let me encourage you with this. All right, Don't lower your expectation of what God is going to do in your life. Has it been a minute? Yeah, maybe it's been a minute. Maybe it's been more than a minute. 
But God, the last time I checked, does not fail in keeping his word. And if God says that we can have the promises and we can have the provision and we can operate with the spiritual power that he said, and if he spoke to us, giving us a personal promise, he is the same God that has never failed to keep his word not one time. Don't let your faith diminish over the passing of time. Keep your expectation high. Now, let me give you some good tips. We get caught up thinking... Uh, sometimes things aren't happening fast enough. I mean, some of us, it's one thing to have like something going on with you physically and you're believing God for a healing. And how many of you believe that God can heal right now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. seen him do it. Seen him do it too many times, even last week. Miracles, 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 miracles. Because God is still a healing God. But if you've been coming up for prayer for a few years, seeking after healing and you don't have the healing that you know in your heart that God is capable of doing, what do you do now? Everybody said wait, but can you handle the weight of the weight for that healing, for that provision, for that restoration? See, the mind games come. Well, you've done gone up there for prayer 18 times. Everybody in the church is watching you do this stuff. They're going to start to think that something's really wrong with you. Not just physically, but up here too. You know, the mind games that the devil tries to play. But we don't think about passages in Scripture of the guy who was lame for 38 years before Jesus healed him. Told him to take up his mat and then strut on out of there. 38 years. But God healed him. We don't think about the woman um, in the Bible who is mentioned with the issue of blood who suffered for 12 years. 12 years with a problem. Until the Lord healed them. You know what's funny? 12 years she suffered with it, but she knew where to go. Every time. All those people around her were all about Jesus shouting for Jesus, trying to get around Jesus, trying to be around Jesus. She wanted to touch Jesus. That's the difference. She didn't lose that passion or that desire or her faith. She stepped right into it. You know what? Jesus didn't even pray over her. Her faith, just touching the hem of his garment. After 12 years, suddenly she was healed. Wouldn't you love to have a story like that? Wouldn't that be amazing? Well, God can do it. If... We do our part. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Let me bring some balance to a whole lot of happy teaching and honestly some misinterpretation of Scripture that we may have personally. Romans eight twenty-eight says, And we know that God causes everything, say everything, Everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Now, how many of you believe that in all things God is working together for your good? Question. But is he really? Is he really? See, that's 100% up to us, not him. Two qualifiers in the scripture. Two qualifiers in the scripture to get the promise of God working together, everything for the good of us. Two qualifiers. Number one, that's for those who 
what? Love God. Relationship. Okay? God isn't doing anything for you outside of relationship with him. Well, God loves me. Yes, he does. And he sent his son to die for you. He paid the price for the sin in your life so that you could live in freedom. That's right. But this says God's not a God that can be manipulated. You've got to operate out of relationship with him. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you can forget about any of this working. Why? Because you are stuck in the rut of trying to handle things with your best effort. See, it's only through a relationship with him, now his strength and power comes into play. Does that make sense? So you've got to operate out of relationship with Jesus first. So he does this stuff. He's moving on behalf of those, one, who are in right relationship with him. That means you've got to be perfect, all right? That doesn't mean if you miss a Sunday during the year, God's not with you anymore because you rebelled. That's not what I'm saying, but you've got to have a real relationship with him. It's got to be real. Um, the second thing is this. They're called according to his purpose for them. Oh, my gosh. Whose purpose for them? So you've got to be in relationship with God, listen to me now, and submitted to his purpose. In other, in other words, his plan. He's the one in control. So God, I'm in relationship with you. I want your will for my life, not my will for my life. I'm surrendered to you. I'm 100% submitted to you. Now, when you take that posture, then, then the scripture is true. That in everything, God is working together for our good. Amen? Amen? So, right relationship and submission to his will. Why is God going to work everything? Now, God can clean up your mess once you make your mess. He can clean the mess up, but why create the mess? You know what I mean? Why not submit to his will, blaze your own trail, and lose years that he had for you under his blessing? And his purpose. You know, the second we choose to step outside of his will, now it's in trouble. Yeah. It's in trouble. Um, I don't know why God isn't moving in my life. Well, when's the last time you opened up the Bible and prayed? Well, I don't know why God is putting me in this situation. Did he really put you in this situation? Or were you stubborn and blockheaded and just dug yourself in like an Alabama tick and refused to move? And now God's trying to do everything he can to drag you out. You understand what I'm saying? So you've got to be submitted to his will to operate under his blessing and have him do this stuff for you. So the question becomes, what, 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 is, what does all this mean? It means that God is working while you're waiting. He's working while you're waiting. If you're submitted to him, if you have a relationship with him, he is working while you're waiting on your behalf. Like clockwork. Every time, whether you feel like it or not, he's working. Whether you can see it or not, he's working. Okay? Whether you feel like continuing with the process or not, he is there working. He's there working. He's there working. Um, so what is he doing? Well, here's some stuff that God does while we're waiting. Are y'all ready for this today? Now, I, I, I want to encourage you a little bit, all right? So while we're waiting on this stuff, God's doing what? Oh, half of us had this. I'm going to stop for a second. All right. all right. Shake your coffee up. Take a shot real fast. I'll wait. Four, three, two, one. Okay. While we're waiting, what is God doing? He is working. He's working. He's working. All right. So, so if God's... 
working while we're waiting, that means that um, he sets things up for us. He sets things up for us. Situations and, and scenarios, if we're submitted to him, if we're trusting in him, if we're doing what he said, we got relationship with him, he is setting things up for us. Yeah. All right? There's a period of time between the Old Testament and the New Testament. 400 years where God didn't say anything. He put everything on hold. Okay? Now, he had... Let the prophets prophesy about the coming Messiah. He had talked about everything that Jesus was going to do. He had talked about, he had dropped down the promises of salvation and redemption for mankind. And then suddenly pulled back, it seemed like, for 400 years. And said nothing. Now, that's a long time. It's a long time. You think a couple of days of fasting is long? My goodness gracious, you imagine 400 years of waiting for God to say something, for something, some direction, some word, some something to come from a dry season like that. But while they were waiting, God was working. I'll show you five things that happened during that 400-year time period that'll blow your mind. I'm going to put these up on the screen. Number one, Alexander the Great. If you want to know how you can get the great added to your name, conquer the world. It's almost a guarantee, I think. That's how he did it. Alexander the Great happened. What Alexander the Great did was he took the Greek Empire and he conquered the known world at the time. When he conquered the known world at the time, Greek became the common language of the land. All right? Up until now... There had not been a common language since the Tower of Babel where everyone was speaking the same language. No common language in the world until Alexander the Great conquered the world and Greek became the common language. Everywhere you went, somebody had some understanding of Greek. The second thing that happened was the Old Testament was then translated into Greek. So now you've got everyone speaking a common language. And what was scripture to them at the time is now translated into that common language. So it's available for all the people in the world to read. The Socratic uh, method of learning was an invented then, which was just basically people began to ask questions when people would teach. Before then, it was just a lecture, and you might be able to write something down or remember what was said, but you could not interrupt or ask questions or try to, to work things out in a scenario like that. That became normal. Another thing that happened in that 400-year period, Romans conquered the Greeks. The Romans conquered the Greeks. And what happened then, because the Greeks had conquered everybody else, when the Romans conquered the Greeks... Um, there was a period of peace that historically has never really been seen again in the world. During that period of peace, the Romans said, hey, let's build some infrastructure. So they worked on uh, roads, they worked on highways, they worked on communication systems between towns, they worked on infrastructure in the area, in the known world, all these Romans started building the roads and doing all of that stuff. Um, the last thing that happened is diasporia. That means that the Jews 
who were caught in the middle of all of this transfer of power, okay, they were banned from Jerusalem during this time. If you were Jewish, you had to leave. And it scattered the Jewish people all over the known world. What was God doing? God created a common language in the world for the message of the gospel to be preached in. God created uh, a pathway for his word to be put in that common language. He changed the method of learning so that people could accept and learn and test and have the deep questions that they have a faith answered by the coming Messiah. He built the infrastructure through the known world so when the time came, the gospel could easily be transported and taken through the known world on these highways that did not exist before then. And now the Jewish people, his people are spread out across the world ready so that when Jesus came and the news of his coming spread like wildfire, it would, the message would go first to the Jews throughout the world and then to the Gentiles around them and the common language that they could all understand. See, in that 400 years of supposed silence, God was moving. And I'm telling you right now, if you're going through a season where God seems silent, I'm telling you, he's not silent. He's busy working. It could be that he's preparing the place for you to step into right now. Don't let your faith die out. Let me encourage you. While God is quiet, he's still working. While you're waiting, he's still working. He's still the same God, and he will do what he said he would do. Amen? Amen. So, so he's always moving. The, the, the next thing he does is he puts you in place for the promise. So he's not just setting stuff up. He puts us in place for the promise. I remember probably from about 16 years old up into my early 20s, I started praying for my spouse. Started praying. I didn't have 48 things on the list, you know. I, reality was there with me. I'm like, okay, if I can get three of these things, it'll be good. So, but, just, but God blessed me with, with Pastor Kelly. I didn't know when or where I was going to meet her. I just knew that I needed to listen to God and do what he said. So, um, I think around the age of 22, God spoke to me, told me to go to Texas, to intern and get training out there, and so I did. I moved from Georgia to Texas, didn't have the money to do it, to be in this program. God provided the money. Um, didn't have really the car to make the trip. God provided all of that, gave me the favor that I needed. So here I am, stuff in a bag at this place because God told me to be there. What I didn't know is that God was also moving Kelly from Oregon to Indiana, um, or from Oregon to Idaho, Idaho, from Idaho to Indiana, from Indiana to Oklahoma, from Oklahoma to North Texas. All right, I'm down here in uh, South Dallas in the Oak Cliff area where you don't want to be. I'm telling you, you don't take your kids there for vacation. Um, you're dodging bullets and stepping on dime bags. That's Oak Cliff. So, so <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a nutshell. So I'm there serving at this church. A guy that goes to Southwestern University drops in, attends the church, connects with the young adult group that I'm ministering in just happens to know somebody in the church that Kelly's family was going to, drove up there, 
was in a service, talked to them about the young adults ministry, so they all started deciding to drive down and hang out for that. That's how I met my wife. I told her if she would have just listened to God, she wouldn't have had to bounce all over the country like they did. They should have just went straight to Texas. I feel like they should have just come all the way to Georgia, you know. That's just, but, but here's the deal. Along the way, there's a whole lot of substitutes. A whole lot of cute girls. A whole lot of batting eyes, you know. Um, when I was in Texas, there was, there was this girl who, I mean, she got sweet on me, and she was cute. So I got a little sweet back. Um, she wanted to marry a youth pastor. God had not called me to be a youth pastor, and I knew that. But dang, she was cute. So, we kind of did these little friendly little hangout dates, you know. Finally, the Lord whispered to me and said, what are you doing? Isn't it fun when he whispers to you like that? What are you doing? What do you mean, what are you doing? I haven't called you. I haven't called you to be that. I've called you to do this. Why are you softening your heart to become willing to trade off my calling for a relationship that may or may not last? Understand? Yeah. So I made the decision to end it. And she waited a whole two days before she was with another dude. Wow. Yeah, God saved me a whole lot of headache. You know what I mean? A girl that'll turn that fast. Woo, red light, stay away, run, force, run. You know, um, but it wasn't too long after that that Kelly and I kind of connected. A few months later, thought there might be something there. Started dating. I remember the spot in the, uh, the condo that she was staying in, or the duplex she was staying in, where she went into the kitchen, our friends were in the, in the place, and uh, I looked over at her, and God spoke to me. That's her. Yes, sir. That's a good answer right there, you know what I mean? I remember when he spoke to me. But here's the deal. 21 years of marriage later, two kids later, I am so grateful that I did things God's way yes. instead of my way. Yes. Okay, I'm so, much, I'm so grateful that I trusted him and did it his way instead of my way. You've got to trust the Lord to be moving things and putting you into the place for the promise that he gave you. Look at Joseph in the Bible. Joseph is a great example because we got perspective on the story. Great perspective on the story. God gave Joseph a dream, said, this is what's going to happen. You're going to be a big dog. Your family's going to be bowing down to you. You're going to have a lot of power. You're going to be wealthy. I'm paraphrasing. Uh, I don't know that God ever called Joseph a big dog, but that sounds good. All right, so shows him all this stuff. Joseph's like, yeah, he owns it, starts telling his family. And what happens? His whole life, at least on paper, just goes into the trash can. He gets betrayed by family. Y'all ever been there? Uh, he gets betrayed by family, thrown into a pit. They're planning on killing him. Then they decide to sell him into slavery. He gets caught, hauled from where he was up into Egypt. Probably wasn't on his plan. You ever felt like your life got hijacked like that? Yeah. 
or it's just things were just out, happening out of your control. Like you were doing your thing, God gave you the promise, and now it's all falling apart. And he goes and he's sold into slavery, has to serve in Potiphar's house, then he gets lied on by Potiphar's wife. Crazy. He gets thrown in prison because of a lie. He never did it, but still had to serve time for it. And then he waited in that prison for years before he finally got recognized. This whole process of life, like if I had to live that, I don't know that, I'd be honest, I don't know that I would have responded in everything the way that Joseph would have because you can't find at one point in that whole story where Joseph's heart got hard against God. Where Joseph questioned what God was doing. He was faithful to his God through the whole process. And that's encouraging because when you're going through stuff while you're waiting and you're handling the weight of the weight, waiting for God to put you in place for the promise, I found that he will prepare. He prepares and equips us for his purpose through that whole time. Now, we can look at Joseph's story and say, wow, yeah, God was equipping him along the way, but Joseph didn't know that at the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe God's equipping you right now, and you just don't recognize it today. A little bit of patience will go a long way. I mean, think about it. How is he going to get to Egypt unless he gets to Egypt? I'm talking about Joseph. So he's got to get there somehow so he gets sold into slavery so he lands at Potiphar's house now he's going to eventually be a powerful person and God's got a place set up and prepared for Joseph but Joseph isn't ready for it yet so Joseph goes to Potiphar's house you know what Potiphar's job was Potiphar's job was he was in charge of the king's guard okay Potiphar was in charge of local security and the defenses of the, of the city and the king. Potiphar was a military guy. If you're going to be the second most powerful person in the world and run the known world in place of Pharaoh, do you think you need to know a little bit about defense? Yeah. Do you think you need to know a little bit about infrastructure? Think he need to know a little bit of military tactics that God was preparing him along the way. Potiphar's wife lies on him. He gets thrown into a prison. Now, he probably should have been killed for that offense. Yeah. Me personally, you're not going to read this in Scripture, but I think Potiphar knew what may have been going on, and he did something to save a little bit of face because he put Joseph in a political prison, not a prison prison. He didn't execute him. I think Potiphar's wife had been down this road before. You know what I mean? Potiphar looked there. Sometimes you got to let a hoe be a hoe, I guess is what he said. He just, he knew what was going on. He knew what was going on. So, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to handle this like I need to. We all know, whew, man. Yeah, so I think he knew what was up. So Joseph lands in this prison with a baker and a cupbearer. These are political people. He spends a few years there. Now, if you're going to be the second most powerful person in the world, run the, know, the, the known world in place of Pharaoh, probably need to have some kind of understanding of politics, yeah? Yeah. Need to know how the system works. See, God was preparing Joseph along the way. And in a moment, he was in front of Pharaoh. But he had been equipped for that long season for that moment. See, 
don't get frustrated in the process of God equipping you for who he's calling you to be and what he's calling you to do. He knows what he's doing. So he prepares and equips us along the way. Did the same thing with Jesus. Jesus spent 30 years of his life waiting for three years of ministry. Jesus had to do it too. So the question becomes, in the process of all of this, we know that God is working for us. If we're in the right relationship with him, we're submitted to his will. We know that he's uh, working while we're waiting, that he's setting things up for us, that um, he's putting us in place for the promise that he has for us. And we know that he's preparing us along the way and equipping us for his purpose. The question then becomes, what are we doing? James chapter 5, verse 7 gives us this encouragement. He says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. Yeah. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. He says, Be patient until the Lord's coming. Be patient until the Lord does what he says he's going to do. Be patient until the Lord intervenes in the situation. Be patient until God opens the doors. Be patient until God shows you the one. Be patient through the process. Even if you're not getting the recognition that you feel like you need to get, you be patient through the process and trust him. Then he goes with this crazy analogy talking about a farmer waiting for a land to yield a crop. He patiently waits for the autumn and spring rains. He waits because he knows that the crops are not going to grow without the rain. Yeah. Got to have the rain. The rain is the catalyst. But if the preparation doesn't take place, then all the rain's going to do is create mud. So, if y'all ever been to Nebraska? There is more corn in Nebraska than there should be corn in Nebraska. It is crazy. They don't have a problem with planting corn in Nebraska. You know, corn kernels, they look like this picture here. Corn, 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 as far as the eye can see in Nebraska. See, the farmer has to plant the seed in order for the rain to be able to produce the crop. What kind of seed are you sowing right now? See, this is what I know. If you take this corn and you put it in the ground, then this stuff right here is going to pop up next. You're going to have corn. Corn comes from corn, yeah? And on those stalks of corn, there are going to be multiple ears of corn that look like this. One little corn kernel, one seed in the ground, produces a stalk full of ears of corn, full of hundreds of corn kernels. That's called increase, yeah? yeah? One seed produces multiple seeds, and a harvest produces fruit. What kind of seed are we sowing? Are we sowing seeds of faith? and trusting God 
in the seasons where we're waiting? Or are we sowing other stuff? There's this thing right here. Everybody touch his tongue right now. This is so much fun. This thing right here, the Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue. What kind of seeds are you sowing during that time of waiting? Are you sowing seeds of frustration and anger and aggravation and impatience? Because this is what I can promise you. If that's what you're putting in the ground, what's going to come up? Well, I believe that God can redeem me in spite of that. What you sow, you're going to reap. Okay? How are you trusting God and submitting to Him while you're complaining about what He's taking you through the whole way? What kind of seeds are you sowing? I'm believing for a harvest. I'm waiting on God. That's awesome. I want God to move financially. That's great. What seeds are you sowing? Because until you're submitted to Him and His plan, you're not going to see a huge harvest. Got to be His way. What do you mean? If you're not living a life of generosity, if you're not tithing, you can forget about operating in the abundance and blessing of God. What you've done is you've strapped a backpack on your shoulders and you've made it all about you. Now, I know faith without works is dead. I get that. Do you understand? God says, if you do this, if you meet this qualification, I will unlock the promise. If you are waiting for God to bring somebody into your life, dating half the country, isn't the kind of seed you want to sow. You understand what I'm saying? You'll find yourself face to face with that person with no heart left to give them. Are you trusting the Lord? See, the seeds we sow produce the harvest that we live in. And if we're not careful, we'll be in a, a season of waiting and we'll crush ourselves by our posture. And the weight of the weight will crush us. We'll leave doors open for the enemy to undermine our faith. You want to survive the weight of the weight. Submit yourself to God. Make sure you're in relationship with Him. Relationship with Him. And make sure that the seed that you're sowing is the right kind of seed. If you believe in God for corn, you can't complain when green beans come up. I hate green beans, let's be honest with you. Take corn over green beans all day long. Um, but if you plant beans, you're going to get beans. If you plant corn, you're going to listen. If you plant faithfulness, you're going to reap the benefit of faithfulness. You understand what I'm saying? What kind of seed are you sowing in this season of waiting? Let's all stand together this morning. The good news is that when we position ourselves correctly, God is moving on our behalf. The good news is that He is working. That He's setting things up, that He's putting things in place, that He's preparing us along the way. He always keeps His word. Are you waiting today for something? Maybe it's been a long season of wait. Maybe it's been a long season of wait for healing. Maybe it's been a long season of wait for...
God to move financially. Maybe it's been a long season of wait for the breakthrough in your business. Maybe it's been a long season of wait for that calling on your life. And I'm here to tell you today that God is still faithful. And you might be waiting, but He is busy working. I want to pray for you this morning if you're here today. And, and I, know, I know you're here because God gave me this word to preach. <laughs> I know you're here. You're going through the process of waiting. I want to pray for you and just give you some encouragement through the Holy Spirit today. I want to encourage you. I want to see Him build you up. You know, the Bible says that they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Sometimes you've got to have a little bit of renewal in the process of that waiting so that you can handle the weight of that season of wait while God is doing what He's doing. So heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. You say, Pastor Josh, I'm in a season like that right now. That's me. That is me. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. When I count to three, lift your eyes up and look at me if that's you. One, two, three, lift them up. Eyes going up all in this place right now. Let me ask you to do something that, that, that takes a little bit of boldness. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. So if you're walking through that right now, God gave me this word for you. And I believe that this moment now is for you. To get encouragement, maybe to get wisdom and direction on the next step during this process. I believe God's going to minister to you and speak to you. If you're going through that season where you're waiting, these altars are open. I want you to get out of your seat, out of your row. I want you to come up here to the front. We're going to pray together and believe for God to move in your life, man. I'm telling you, there's a lot of us. There's a lot of us. Oh, the wait. Oh, the wait. One more time. You need to be up here. You need to be up here. And this is for you, I'm telling you. I have been praying for you all week. This is for you. Now let's do this. All right, I'm gonna pray for you. Um, but I want some prayer warriors to gather around behind these individuals up here. And let's just lift them up in prayer. I like to see everybody with somebody behind them getting prayed for if possible. Hey, this waiting stuff, even if you trust God 100%, even if you're walking in step with Him, this waiting stuff, I'm just telling you, it's not for the weak heart. It'll test you. It'll show you what you're made of. It'll show you where you're weak. It'll show you where you need to grow. It'll teach you to rely on the Lord in a way that you never have before. And I think maybe that's the greater reason behind it. God is moving while He's preparing. And God is working in us, preparing us so that He can do something through us as we step into the next season. Does it make sense to you? Waiting. It's not fun. But I tell you what. We have a God that is flawless. We have a God that has never, not once, let any of His people down. All right? Let me encourage you in the process of this weight. All right? Let Him carry the weight of the weight. All right? Put all of that on Him. 
all that on him. Listen, if it's his plan, it's his timeline, it's his agenda, let him carry the weight for it. Our job, the only job we have is to be obedient to him and follow one step at a time as he leads. All right, not our will, his will. Not our plan, his plan. Not how we want things to happen, but trusting that he can work things out even if it looks like all hell itself is breaking loose in our lives. Last time I checked, Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. Last time I checked, he is more than an overcomer. He conquered it all, then turned around and said, we had that power and that authority too, amen? So listen, if he works through all of that for our good, I'm setting my eyes on the horizon. Out of what I see here, I'm setting my eyes on the horizon and I'm putting my gaze on Him. Because if it's all about Him and it's all because of Him and He's the one that's setting the steps for my life ahead of me, then He's the fixed point that I want to lock onto because if I stay focused on Him, I know I'm never going to go off track. Okay, so all across this place, let's lift up our hands and let's just worship Him, focus on Him. Jesus, we, we worship You in this place. Not just those that are up here at the altar. Father, everyone in this place, Lord, we worship You. Lord, we honor You. Father, And we just want to say in this moment, hey, Lord, I know there's people up here that, that are feeling uncomfortable in the season that they're in. I felt that too. Lord, that there, there are people up here that haven't heard you speak in a long time. Father, there are people up here that, that right now, if they look at what they see in their lives, it, it doesn't even come close to what you have put in their heart. Lord, we trust you in spite of it. Lord, we trust you in spite of what we see. Lord, we trust you. Just in your own words, just tell him right now. God, we trust you. We trust you 100%. You created this universe. <laughs> you, you created the, the earth that we're stepping on. Lord, you created all that we see. The God that created all of that is going to run out of strength on the little issues of my life. Lord, we put our trust in you. Thank you for your strength. Lord, thank you for your mercy. I know some of us up here, a lot of, maybe we've made the mistake of trying to blaze our own trail and do things on our own. And it's created a, a whole scenario that you never intended for us to get into. God, if that's us, Lord, we choose to repent right now. God, we're sorry. Your way is better than our way. Lord, forgive us for being impatient. God, we just return our hearts to a position of trust in you reliance upon you not ourselves but you God or tell us what you want us to do father or we trust you to help us navigate through the stuff that maybe we've created for ourselves to have to walk through Lord we trust you to navigate us through that back on track to where you want us to be father we put our focus on you Jesus thank you for your faithfulness Thank you for your faithfulness. Holy Spirit, right now, everyone just lift up your hands. Holy Spirit, right now, I just pray that you pour yourself out fresh and anew on every person that's here. 
Lord, we wait on you. Lord, renew our strength. Renew our strength, Father. Renew that passion, Lord. Renew that fire inside of us, Father. Lord, give us what we need, that fresh outpouring of your Spirit, Lord, to put fresh wind in our sails spiritually as we move forward in what you called us to do. Holy Spirit, do your work in our hearts right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray that you encourage by your spirit. Lord, remind us right now. Lord, remind us. Everyone up here individually, Father, remind us of what you have spoken. God, remind us of the promise that you made to us. Lord, remind us of the words that you spoke. Whether it feels like it's been 400 years or a long season of everything falling apart or a process of you just trimming things off of us to prepare us. Lord, remind us of the promise. Lord, remind us of the calling. Lord, remind us of your word. Lord, let us put our, our, our eyes on you because if you said it, you cannot divorce yourself from your word. If you spoke it, Father, if we don't disqualify ourselves, it will come to fruition if we stay in the process and trust you. If you have spoken it, it is set. It is set. Lord, let our faith rise to that level, Lord. It is set. It is done. Now all it is is just a matter of time between now and the fulfillment of the promise. Lord, just give God praise right now for his faithfulness. Lord, we just worship you in this place this morning, Father.